0: Hello, this is Chris Jansen. Welcome to the End Evil Podcast. This podcast episode, I'm having a conversation with my good friend Dom Tremblay, and we're talking about the origins of humankind and the interference theory, also known as intervention theory. And this is an exciting conversation for some for me because I've been looking forward for a long time to talk about it. I think it's a very important topic. Where do humans come from? What are the stories of our origins? Why did we end up the way we are? And Dom's here with me today to have a great conversation about that topic. Introduction. Some 445,000 years ago, astronauts from another planet came to Earth in search of gold. Splashing down in one of Earth's seas, they waded ashore and established Eridu, home in the far away. In time, the initial settlement expanded to a full-fledged Mission Earth with the mission control center, a spaceport, mining operations, and even a way station on Mars. Short of manpower, the astronauts employed genetic engineering to fashion primitive workers, Homo sapiens. The deluge that, that catastrophically swept over the Earth required a fresh start. The astronauts became gods, granting mankind civilization, teaching it to worship. Then... About 4,000 years ago, all that had been achieved unraveled in a nuclear calamity brought about by the visitors to Earth in their course of their own rivalries and wars. What had taken place on Earth, and especially the events since human history began, had been culled by Zachariah Sitchin in his The Earth Chronicle series, from the Bibles, clay tablets, ancient myths, and archaeological discoveries. But what had preceded the events on Earth? What had taken place on the astronaut's own planet Nibiru that caused the space journeys, the need for gold, the creation of man? What emotions, rivalries, beliefs, morals, or lack thereof motivated the principal players in the celestial and space sagas? What were the relationships that caused mounting tensions between Nibiru and on Earth? And what tensions arose between old and young, between those that had come from Nibiru and those on Earth? And to what extent... Was what was happening determined by destiny a destiny whose record of past events holds the key to the future
1: what's up, Don? so are
0: you doing, my man
1: and uh I don't know if you had a plan or something uh I don't care I like these chats where you know we jump from one idea to another even even though we keep like a certain kind of string you know between them so I don't know if you you see it but I, I always like, you know uh working with you and having conversation with you so I don't care where it goes. Uh I trust you on on that, on that. You yeah, had very cool. good uh interviews and stuff. So Thanks Don. Yeah, no,
0: my thought was just um this first meeting we'll just kinda chat, see what comes up. And um maybe if, coming out of that we might wanna um do a little bit more of an organized second meeting where we bring some of the research out Sounds great. before before um you came on i did a little recording and i read the beat the beginning of the introduction to um the lost book of enki okay and um i think that's sitchin's best work i've studied sitchin more than anything else but um yeah let's just talk this time and i also re- pre-recorded a little intro so we could just jam, just talk about whatever comes up and I'll I'll edit out what's unnecessary later.
1: Excellent.
0: I thought we could kind of like talk a little bit about the flood. We could talk about some of the basic stories we've read about and heard about. Some of the different um people we've looked at. Like, obviously you've read Michael Tellinger and I don't really know Michael Tellinger's work. So, you know, we could just yeah. kind of share the things we've thought about why this shit's important too. I mean, I think that's one of the big questions is... Sure. Sure. Why, why is this stuff even important? So I guess I'll, I'll start that off for my first question for you, Don. Then, um, what do you think? Why is it even sure. important to look at intervention theory or interference theory or alien, ancient alien theory? You know, how did that, how did it strike you as being important to begin with?
1: Well, to me, it's the mother, you know, uh, conspiracy of all conspiracies. Because where you're in a quest of knowing, you know, of knowing yourself, you have to, at some point, you come to a point where you want to know where do you come from. And, and inevitably you'll, you'll try to f- find some answers in the book of Genesis. Um but there are some, uh, recent, you know, discovery in archaeological history. Um, the Dead Sea Scrolls that we've discovered, you know, in uh right after the war, I think it was in nineteen forty seven. Dead Sea Scrolls, the uh, Sumerian tablets, all these um you know art, archaeological finds, findings. Um the, you know they, they brought uh, another dimension, you know, the book of Enoch, all these uh ancient texts that brings us another dimension or on where do we come from? Is it really, you know, what the Bible tells us? Is it really what the, you know, Abraham, Abrahamic uh, Jewish religion tells us? Um, that's a very good question. But um, why is it important? So, yes, a short, long story short is because uh you cannot say that you know yourself or you're on a quest of true discovery uh about yourself if you don't at some point go deep down inside and and look where our species come from
0: great answer um you know one thing that i remember wondering about when i was like younger This is like one of those stone thoughts, I guess, or if you're on um, some hallucinogenics or something, maybe it takes something like that to have this thought, or I just have a weird brain to begin with. Could be that too. But like often occurred to me how were these like pink, fleshy, soft things when then you look at animals, like even dogs, you know, and they're like all furry and warm, you know, you go outside and they're cool. They're just totally fine. And we're like all cold or um, we have to build a shelter, you know, we have all this technology, but you know, like they say we came from monkeys, but monkeys seem like they're kind of better equipped for this planet than we are. You know what I mean? And that's one of the things that has occurred to me many times. And I guess the thing that really, um, well, you know, there's so many things with the pyramids and these ancient structures that always struck me. And I, I remember looking at like, some book i I remember forbidden archaeology and i remember there was another one too that i first came across that mentioned there's these artifacts that don't fit into the timeline that don't really make sense but that show was real big on um i think was discovery channel when they came out with ancient aliens did you watch that series Tom?
1: yeah absolutely
0: and i think that really kind of i was like all right this seems a little cheesy but it's some good questions, and then you I think that's when I really started getting into the Zachariah Sitchin books, and when you really start actually reading a Zachariah Sitchin book, you know, disagree with this research or not, it's it's pretty intense research. It's it's like pages and pages, there's pictures, and then there's a lot of um, parallels he draws between like um, the Epic of Gilgamesh, or like you're saying the Book of Enoch, he'll pick out one of these other books and then he'll say, well look at what's here and then he'll show in Egyptian um, lore here the similar thing exists and then he'll you know he just gives so many examples and um, the books are like thick with all this information it's not just drawing quick conclusions he does a lot of research so that really impressed yeah. me yeah
1: definitely uh, studied, but there's you know a lot of them Michael Talinger, uh, Lloyd Pye you know, there's a lot of great researchers that researches on the, the, the Sumerian tablets and uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls for many, many years, you know, trying to find interpretations and, and this is what they are. Uh, exactly like the Bible, they are just interpretations of, you know, allegories and stories about an ancient past or an ancient history. So like you read the Bible, you know, you should read the the Sumerian tablets and study the Sumerian tablets the way like Aya Sitchin did with uh, you know, again, you always have to keep uh critical thinking. And you cannot access, you cannot be on the path to true discovery if you're not trying to balance both hemispheres of the brain. Why am I saying that? Is because Part of this story about ancient history and our ancient civilization and, you know, human origin is, has to be discovered with intuition. So you gotta use a part of intuition. You cannot just look for, you know, uh, rigid skepticism and just look for facts, uh, you know, written black on white, uh, to come to an understanding of these This ancient past, you gotta uh, use a portion of intuition and that's where you lose most of the people uh, and they will just refuse that you refuse that kind of information. So that's why at the beginning, I said it's really advanced information that we're talking here. It's very important to talk about it because you cannot again, you know, say that you know yourself if you don't know where do you come from. And, but again, first I want to really tell the viewer that you know, what we're saying is not 100% true. It's, there's always, you know, things that will be false. Uh, it's, uh, but uh, that's how we see it. That's how I perceived it. That's how, you know, this, this, this story resonates with the truth with myself. The fact that, you know, uh, this ancient civilization or whatever from, another planet, is it Nibiru, is it uh, whatever planet or another dimension? It really doesn't matter. What matters is that, you know, makes all sense from these tablets, from the Dead Sea Scrolls, from numerous ancient writings, that there was some kind of intervention and, you know, playing with our DNA uh, so that you know, human beings were not maybe created from, the you know, uh, from God directly, but from the, the gods. That's one of the things too. Uh, you know, these Anunnaki or, you know, fallen angels or whatever you call them. These people were, you know, uh, supposedly gigantic with wings and with, you know, uh, scaled, uh, skin or whatever. This also doesn't really matter. What really matters is. Why were we created? You know, is it to mind goal or whatever reason? But is it, it, the most important thing is that we're created as a slave species, you know, to serve an, another, uh, race from another planet or another dimension. And this is very hard to swallow. And this requires a lot of, you know, pattern recognition and stuff. So if you cannot even admit about nine eleven that it was an inside job and justification of three buildings then you have a lot of you know work to do before you can even grasp what we're trying to tell you about you know uh the intervention theory and all you know some alien races could have created us
0: and i yeah i think that's a good point dom and not only that but you know it's like the point i try to make in so many ways is that stories do serve a purpose, okay, like, um, books are incredible, um, I love nonfiction books myself the best, but fiction books are incredible, too, because they offer us a way to see something from another perspective, look at um, George Orwell's 1984, or Animal Farm, you know, those stories, um, whatever his intentions on writing them, it doesn't matter so much as from the point of view of being a modern human being, and being able to read this book, you can derive from it wisdom, And you don't need to know that that story is true that really happened to derive that wisdom from that story. And that was, you know, I grew up going to church, um, being part of the Christianity, and my dad was really into studying the books of the Bible and trying to interpret them in different ways, thinking about the different levels of um, analogy or um, the different levels of meaning within these stories. And what I learned from that is if you take a story, say, um, a parable of Jesus's, and you look at it on face value, then you can look another layer beyond that. Say, what does that mean in spiritual life? There's always another layer you can look at the deeper these a good story goes. So uh, I just think it's important to point out we talk a lot about truth and the importance of truth. And I'm not going to say it's truth that aliens created our species. You know, that's not the truth. But that is a good damn interpretation of story based on the evidence and the facts we have that makes a lot more sense to me than we came from apes. That's for damn sure. And speaking of Lloyd Pye, you know, no one I ever heard of before him ever started talking about hominoids. And yet every country in the world has these stories about giant ape-like human creatures. You know, it's as old a story as any. And um, here comes Lloyd Pye and says... Um, it's very likely that these hominoids existed and still exist on this planet. There's a lot of areas and territories we don't travel in. And that's part of this ancient storyline, too. Um, I remember the story, uh, I'm going to blank out on his name now, from the Epic of Gil- Gilgamesh, where, you know, this one dude's like a kind of part human and part animal creature, right? A or something like that, right? And I don't remember. You remember that story that better than I do.
1: Yeah, but I, I don't remember the name.
0: But anyway, Endiku, something like that. Anyway, yeah. you know this whole thing about you know did these whether whether it was a alien, um, the aliens from the planet Nibiru, or whether it was time travelers or people that traveled from another dimension. This story that's being told that someone comes here. They've got better technology than probably we even have in the modern day. Number one, that explains a lot how things exist from ancient artifacts that shouldn't have ever existed, like structures that we don't know how to build, you know. And then beyond that, another big one is in these ancient structures. There's places where there's, like, these rocks are blown to shit all over the place. And things that weigh billions of tons that have rocks with holes melted in them as if someone was shooting some kind of laser beam or something, you know. And so... um, I don't know what stories really stick out for you, um Dom, Where would you start if you were trying to trying to start giving somebody some of this information who didn't know much about
1: it? Well, it helps making a lot of sense out of a lot of things, like you said, you know, the pyramids and how you know these ancient technology was there, and then it kind of disappeared to be kind of discovered back, you know. Um, how can you have a pyramid in in um in America in Peru or whatever in uh Mexico and um from these ancient te- technology that is thousands of years before Christ? then you have the same kind of uh pyramid like in whatever like near India. Thousands and thousands of kilometers where, you know, at a certain, uh, time where they, they didn't have the means to travel, you know, from this, this, this far from one country to another. So supposedly, as we've been told, right? Supposedly, yes. So, So how come they were able to build similar structures from, you know, with, with great, great similarities? Sometimes you watch, Two pictures of, you know, the pyramids and how they, they are built with the same angles and the same patterns is really, um, is really interesting. And,
0: and then they have these it, complex proportions too, where like the proportion actually, um, is proportionate to the size of the earth or something like that. You know, like yes. you break down all these aspects of the mathematics of these things. It's not, it's not just one or two things. It also aligns with planetary alignment, you know, or star alignment. It's like, whoa, you're going to tell me that these people on different ends of the planet, you know, in a time when they supposedly didn't even have the wheel, right? We're so able I, to do these complex,
1: you know, functions with and then build Copper something. tools, like cutting, like with laser, pre- laser precision, you know, rocks that with copper tools, like... uh there's a lot of things that doesn't make sense and that the science tried to debunk because this information of alien intervention really contradicts what, you know, what is said in the Bible. So of course science, you know, is a lot in, in Egypt, in Israel, uh, in all these countries, you know, it's science still a lot backed by, by religion, you know, the, who managed, look at who managed the pyramid, you know, it's the government, but technically it's, these are religious people behind, you know, the management of, of all these national treasures, uh, both, uh, whatever in Israel or even in Turkey for these Sumerian, you know, tablets because Sumer was, you know, somewhere between Iraq and Turkey, uh, this vanished civilization, but where they found the tablets, but Really, what what it helps, helps to understand, you know, Mark Passio keeps keep, keep saying government is slavery. Well, where does this slavery come from? It comes from our very own origins. And again, this is something that makes total sense. When you look at the current condition of slavery currently on Earth, and then you realize that if human beings were created as a slave species, and there, then we're sort of abandoned on earth, you know, uh, on their own fate, uh, at some point, you know, uh, and left maybe with, with tyrants, these, these people probably left their progeny honored. And that, that's where, that's where, you know, Michael Fallinger and all these people explains in the, the stories that, you know, these Enki, which is, uh, was the Lord of Hurt and, and Lil, which was the Lord of, uh, authority. Uh, these two brothers or whatever they, they were, they were brothers or not, or if they really existed. But these two lords from another dimension or another planet would have, you know, um have children like half gods, half human, and then Left these people on earth when their mission was so so called uh you know completed um you know, and uh, the book also said they would have arrived like two two hundred thousand years ago on earth you know to to mine that gold and would explain a lot of things also about gold and how why it's so rare and why you know the the federal reserves wants it so much um you know, I so, yeah. thought
0: of I thought of three things. My mind was flooding with all these ideas while we we're talking. Um, one thing I discussed with you, Dom, ahead of time is I, I would really like to do a part two to this discussion where we kind of bring some of the evidence forward. And so maybe during this conversation, like, things we think of, we'll take note, and next time we'll show up with some of those pictures and um, things. Because, like, right away that comes to my mind, one of the artifact-type items that I've always found most exciting is And I don't remember what exactly it's called now, but where there's this huge um, giant stone sitting out, abandoned in the um, in the field, in the dirt. And, you know, you see things like this big somebody standing on it. It's like a little ant. And um, it's basically one of the rocks that was thrown away by these builders. And then you look at where like this rock comes from. And it's like the sheer face cliff. And the rectangle is cut out of the cliff you know, and it has square corners, you know, and nobody can ever explain how you could possibly even do that to begin with. How would you even cut that out? But then how did these ancient people cut it out of the side of a cliff, you know, haul it up the cliff or down the cliff, or how the fuck did they even get it out and then way over in this other place far away and the thing's just enormous and weighs so much. um, We don't even, you know, have enough cranes to get around some of these Big objects they're talking about. That's and so, right. you know, I'm not saying this exactly correctly. That's why next time we'll come back with a little more info on that. But yeah the, the point being, you know, there's some, there's some good, um, things we can bring forward and share. And then you mentioned Mark Passio and I remember he had, um, episodes called Cosmic Abandonment. And not only does it explain all the things you were saying, like the scarcity of gold, um, the propensity of humans to be slave-like and submissive to authority. And um, like I described some of the problems with us, but it also describes sort of the psychological problems of being um, kind of civilized, right, and taught. And that was kind of like if you look at Sumer, ancient Sumeria, like it. what doesn't make sense about it is it just blossomed out of nothing. These people had metallurgy, they had um, weaving, they had, you know, um, language, they had written things, all all like just showing up. In history, knowledge
1: but, of, knowledge of astronomy. where they really get it? advanced knowledge of astronomy? Right. Because one of the thing also that really struck me in the tablets is where they, they describe, you know, these, uh, people from Nubiru who kind of, you know, I've written in the Sumerian tablets that through their travel, they were describing the planet of the solar, solar system. They were describing also the, the, um, the asteroid belt that they were crossing was sort of a, a, a what they were describing as a dangerous, you know, uh Oh, the crossing, right? Passage, you know, the the yeah, the 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 so the 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 asteroid belt and at the time it was written like 4000 or 6000 year before Christ uh where they had very allegedly limited knowledge of, you know, this kind of stuff, stuff, they didn't have any telescope 6,000 years before Christ to, to see or to, you know, they didn't have any knowledge of this asteroid belt. So how come they were able to describe it with such, um, precision in the, the tablets is really something also that, you know, um, can, can lead you to think that, you know, th- these are, uh, these are real stories, not just allegories. Sometimes, you know, they were stories that really occurred. Um So again, you gotta read this stuff with with your heart. You gotta try to balance your heart and your brain while reading this, because of course, if you only look at facts, um, sometimes you, you're gonna get stuck in rigid skepticism, and you're n- you're not gonna really be able to fully understand these part of the puzzle these pieces of the puzzle
0: it's almost like um, scary like when someone gives you a 4000 piece puzzle or something it's like there's a lot of freaking pieces here you know am i going to be able to put this all together it takes a certain amount of bravery to open that box and start taking out 4000 years worth of pieces and that's really what this is there's all these little fragments of information but when you start putting them all together it's like you start to see this picture and so I think one of the big, one of the big aspects of that picture in history, and this one can be, you can look at a lot of facts, anyone can, is the great flood. I don't care if you're from Christianity or, um, if you're just a historian, there's a lot of evidence of great calamity and some great flood in the history of earth, right?
1: That's right. Does he talk,
0: does uh, Michael Tellinger talk
1: about the flood Absolutely, definitely it's really the the flood is a, a huge part of uh Zacharias Sitchin's work because um what they're telling is that this so called planet Nuburu would have an orb a very large orbit of uh 260, 20, 2600 years around the sun. So that's why we don't see it right now, is because It's on far orbit. Again, it doesn't really matter. But what they explained is that this planet during its orbit would have come really close to Mars and and the Earth. And that's why it was causing a a huge flood. Like, um, you know, the same thing happens with the tides and the moon where, you know, this planet came so close to Earth that it creates a you know, huge effects on pulling on the water. So that's how the, like flood a polar would shift, right? Yeah. So this planet X, um, you know, large orbit, uh, would have explained also that, you know, they, they would wait for the planet to come really close to her before they, they use their spaceship, like to collect the herd or the, the, the gold or something. But, this planet X would explain the flood and then all the, 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 Noah's ark or anything would have, would have been like my, my interpretations that Noah's ark, Noah's was one of the sons of, you know, uh, Abraham and Abraham also may have uh, been the son of, uh, a one of, uh, either Enki or Enlil. Doesn't really matter. One of these two brothers. So it was, I like a half God. Same thing with Noah and the ark of, you know, actually would have been some sort of a giant vessel that these beings would have built to save humanity because one brother would have, uh, was saying, no, we're just going to let them die. Our mission is over. You know, we created to mine go this species to mine goal. And then since our mission is over, let the flood, you know, kill that species and then we're going to Go back to our planet and do our, our shit. And the other one, NQ, created these species who worked on DNA manipulation for thousands and thousands of years. Then said, no, we're going to save them and we're going to let them, you know, with their destiny. Um, <coughs> this is another subject. Let them with their destiny because. I think that they are still sending us messages through also these messiahs like Muhammad, Abraham, Noah, Jesus. All these, uh, for me, are messenger of these you know alien gods who are trying to you know orient our um, our history and our you know evolution by sending us these messengers. So yeah, that's one of the key things to, uh, make, makes all sense of, you know, the word, the work of Jesus, makes all sense of the work of all these, uh, you know, Zoroastrian, uh, Zarathustra or all these, the Vedas, the Vedas, all these ancient religions, uh, would have been created as a message for humanity from these, you know, ancient beings. So again, another part of the puzzle another piece of the puzzle there that would explain a lot of things you know in the bibles or all these ancient texts
0: one thing i want to look up for next meeting is um the actual text what it says in the bible about um the conversation that kind of went on when god um tells um moses to build the ark um oh i'm sorry noah (laughs) not moses noah to build the ark right um there was this weird thing about whispering through a bush or something. And that was kind of odd. I was like, why would God have to whisper to him? You know? And then this story made a lot more sense when you add in that. Okay. Enlil was, was the authoritarian, um, sort of top head honcho of their, uh, of their, um, um, Anunnaki, Anunnaki, um, organizational structure. Right. And so he was the one that had the main say, and he was the one saying, no, I don't really want to try to keep these humans around. Let's just let the flood wipe them out. We're going to go up in our ships, you know. But here, now, Enki, he's the scientist. He's the one that's been doing all this experimenting, putting all his time and energy, tinkering around with DNA and um, creating all these, whatever else he created. And he comes, you know, he's finally got this being he created. You know, imagine making your own freaking being. You know, he's really proud of his creation. You know, he doesn't want to see it get destroyed. And also that, you know, he's formed relationships now, right? And um, like you're saying with these so-called messengers from God, they were, you know, why was he secretly telling someone how to build this ark was because he was going to get in trouble with his big brother, the boss, you know, because he wasn't really supposed to be doing that. And he found a workaround. He did it in a sneaky way. He set up the plans. You know, and then when you're looking at it from the point of view of being a little kid in church at the Bible and they're telling you and showing you pictures of this giant boat with two of every animal on it, you're thinking to yourself, wait, wouldn't the lion eat the Mm. (laughs) giraffe? I mean, how did they keep them from fighting and eating each other? That doesn't even make sense. Mm. Why, how they're all in the same arc? Is this some kind of magic show or something? You know, and that's a big boat that's going to hold two of every, and how the hell did he get them all in there? You know? And, you know, like you watch the movies and they try to make it just like, you know, some miracle happens and they just animals just show up. But when you think about it from the point of view of these people with this technological superiority, what they probably have is some kind of giant bank of computer like things where they can store DNA codes, you know, and then that makes sense. Like, oh, yeah, you could put that on a boat that would fit on a boat. And these guys had some kind of technological thing to make, like spaceships where they could float above then they probably also have a technological ability to record DNA of two of each species. You know, that makes That's a lot all, more sense, right?
1: All all you need is a, a drop of blood of each, you know, species. You don't need to bring like two elephants, two giraffes on that stupid boat. You just need a drop what of blood. Of yeah. and, and the pair actually is the pair of chromosome, you know, of that DNA sample of that. So all they needed is that. So, Basically, they probably went on their spaceship for a certain period of time during maybe a few thousand years, the time that the flood, you know, uh, you know, complete. And then they went back to Earth to put them back these, you know, species that they created for, but yeah, uh, a you very, know another very thing interesting. we can talk for hours about it. Um, here's
0: something I didn't, I just. I'm curious about, I don't remember reading this in a book or seeing it in Sitchin's work, but it occurred to me many times. If this um, Inky guy was doing all this experimentation to create a being, like along the way, he probably made a lot of other stuff too. Like he's combining DNAs together. And maybe that would explain a lot of the weird lore in history. We have like things like Pegasus or werewolves or, you know, maybe those guys were playing with genetics, making all kinds of weird shit. And maybe a bunch of that weird crap was around on this planet many, many years ago. That would explain a lot of those mysteries that don't make sense. You know, these weird dinosaur creatures or whatever. They could have been part of the genetic manipulation that this guy was doing, right? I mean, That's
1: right. And, And what they're saying also is that, you know, at first they were creating this slave species and it was too intelligent. So they had during this DNA experimentation that lasts thousands of years to create. You know, the species, the perfect species to mine gold. Actually, the, he had to dumb in this species down a couple of times so that it was, you know, just dumb enough to, to work and, you know, to be a slave and not to rebel enough and not to have the physical abilities also to rebel enough. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now. So it really explained, you know, people, uh, you, you know, on on Facebook, you know, people saying, "Ah, oh, they're so stupid. They're so stupid." Well, there you have it. It's it. You know, you've been our species been dumbed down for for many many times during our creation for
0: so a purpose, for an
1: for an a reason. Purpose. That
0: makes sense. Doesn't,
1: doesn't mean that we don't have free will. Doesn't mean that we we cannot be free. We. Doesn't, I am, I'm not saying that, you know, if we are been, we have been created as a slave species, that we have to remain a slave species our all our lives, but there are some people from generation to generation that try to maintain that, you know, authority, uh, slavery, master slave dynamic. Uh, you know, there are some selected, uh, families, the 13 families, you know, the Rothschilds, all these uh, who are just actually doing the work that their ancestors started, you know, are trying to keep. Or,
0: or maybe even playing out that same trauma. Exactly, know, playing completely with trauma. understanding to... what they're doing, you know, is possible Absolutely. too. You know, with some of the modern versions, you know, another thing that pops out for me is um, this idea. I remember this is another thing I want to look up. Passio brought it up in one of his um, podcast episodes about um, one of our, you know, you were talking about the DNA strand. Uh, apparently one part of the chain has a splice in it. Uh, I forgot actually, which number yes, it is. Yes. It's right?
1: chromosome uh, number two that is, number fused two, at the tel- is fused at the telomere actually. So the telomere is like the, 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 the part that, can connect to, uh, you know, another chromosome. So number two normally, uh, in, in, you know, in chimpanzee is separated. But the only difference between the human and the chimpanzee is that this, uh, you know, chromosome's been fused here at the telomere. And this usually take millions and millions of years. But for humans, it, it ha- well, science tells us that it happened in 40,000 years. This fusion of a telomere of a chromosome, and you know, you can check that fusion of the telomere chromosome too. That there's a whole, it's a whole lot of a whole story in itself. But it explains again a lot of things, and scientists scientists cannot explain right now uh, how this, you know, the fusion of the chromosome happened uh, without you know any kind of genetic manipulation it's impossible and in such a short period of time that you know um you, you know the the so-called uh, darwinian evolution you know survival of the fittest would have fused these two uh you know chromosome together to to make you know the differentiates us from primates so just doesn't make sense just doesn't add up there's so many things that cannot be explained by science, but can, by, but can be explained by by this story, by these allegories. That you really have to look uh, at it if you really want to understand yourself and and how the universe works. Again, it's really part of shadow work uh, to look at these stories. You cannot, you
0: know, you know, um, another big light bulb went off for me looking at that story of Enlil and Enki. Anky, Anky, the argument between them, right? you can partly imagine this part of it when, okay, Anki's over here trying to create this slave species, right? At a certain point in the research, now he gets together with, um, I'm blanking on the woman's name, Minerna, or something like that, Mm -hmm. and they're actually trying to figure out how to make this slave species procreate. You know, like originally, you'd have to just make every one, right? And they want to make them so they can self-reproduce. So you can imagine now here where the, the head guy's kind of like, wait a second here. Now you're really playing with nature to a crazy extent. There's like an argument going on between these two factions where one's saying, nah, we're not going to cross that. That's a boundary we don't want to cross. And then the other one's saying, yeah, this is going to make everything even better. Also, we're curious to see what happens. So they have to um, work with the female to create it, um, to make it so she can actually carry a baby and... And there's still problems in how that works. So it seems almost like they didn't even quite get it right, but they made it happen. And this whole thing with the fallopian tubes and the tree of life is an interesting thing too. And then what were they talking about with this tree of knowledge in the Bible, right? Like in the fruit, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. You know, to me, that all kind of ties in where this story makes a lot more sense when you imagine they set up this control center, they got this whole um, spaceport, They got the spaceship where they're testing out genetic things and then come along and say, "Okay, now we want to make these these things we created be able to um, procreate. And then we're like kind of more like God, too. We're creating life, you know, and how that would kind of make this guy a little bit crazy in a way like a mad scientist. And then the other people are like fighting with them about it. And like, no, we're going to have to kill them all now because you just now you just gave them the gift of life right right. and it makes more sense when you look at it that way the gift of life and the knowledge of you know
1: and and now that brings us today with this shot who are trying to you know they are trying to lower or kill a lot of people or make sure that they can't reproduce so probably you know they are again this is the, the conspiracy of all conspiracies so they, they have to conspire, you know, to, to be back on this plan of, you know, Enlil or Enki who didn't want this species to reproduce. And they were saying, oh, okay, they've been reproducing for thousands of years. Now it's enough. It's written on the Georgia stone. So we're going to, you know, reduce this population and we're going to make sure that they can't reproduce so that we can, you know, better control them, better, better control the, the you know, the cattle. So um yeah that 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 would explain a lot of things also that currently happens it makes a lot of you know once you figure that story out and you can apply and make sense of everything that that you know unravels between your eyes uh like this this vaccines things just makes sense to as a you know way to control the population if you understand that this control and that this manipulation of human genetics and DNA, it's, it's like 400,000 years old. You know, it's, it's not something that started yesterday. And now this vaccine is just, you know, Bill Gates trying to play it's the newest version and Lil. Right? It's, it's exactly the same. The
0: newest version of an old script. And then That's the other right. one is, you know, a lot of my – I'm going to have to do some future episodes on geoengineering, weather engineering. When you start looking into that topic, it, it it's pretty mind-blowing. And then you look into this story, and it pops up there too. Why were they mining the gold? Well, Sitchin's explanation, interpretation of the story is that they needed to rebuild their atmosphere. And partly because of that, what you were describing there's a point at which in their planet where it comes too close to another planet or the Sun I'm not exactly sure but the point being they had atmosphere problems maybe because of the wars they had on their own planet and they were trying to put this dust into their atmosphere to protect their planet from um, from whatever cosmic rays and asteroids or whatever but you know that was supposedly the explanation. And, um, so they were spraying stuff in their atmosphere, you know, is what, what I'm getting at, you know, and here we see these, um, spraying pra- programs going on, just part of the culling of the population, dumbing down the population, and, um, other technology, it ties in in other ways too, you know. So that's another interesting aspect. Um, you gave me, a, you gave me a couple good ideas, Dom. The title for Excellent. the episode. The Conspiracy but- of all conspiracies. That's a yes, good title. but you
1: know, you know, gold. Why they want it so much, really? Why is it so rare? Why is it so precious? Uh, the thing is about gold. There's a lot of properties. You know, there's a lot of things that gold can do that we don't know. So again, um and you know, I'm always like, do I sh- should I buy like gold bars if there's anything? And and if I'm I'm, I'm you know. And then I come to the realization that if I'm stuck in the wood, what would that, that gold bar do for me? And so if it doesn't have any kind of intrinsic value per se, then why does this species want it so much if it wasn't from a special property that they can use it on their planet? Um, and it, it makes sense also that heart, the, the earth, has uh, a lot of gold and may had uh had this a lot of gold at a certain period of time compared to the other planet of the solar system with you know doesn't have that much uh or that kind of crust uh anyways with 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 metals but uh again just it just doesn't it just makes sense of so many things like again gold well isn't and-
0: gold used in um a lot of technology semiconductors um computer stuff right yeah and then if you think about it that's one area of value that gold has that people didn't even know about you know whatever 60 70 years ago 100 years ago not that long ago in history they didn't even know that about that application so um you know that could be one one thing that makes gold really valuable that you can do things technologically with it um but you know that would have took a pretty advanced people to know that you know so why why was it so valuable you know 200 years ago right you know i
1: mean again again makes sense of a uh, lot of things and you know it's true discoveries about pattern recognition so and if you put that piece of the puzzle there, and it helps you make a lot of, sen- you know, a sense of, of a lot of, p- of things, then it is really worth studying it. And I- I'm not saying it's the pure truth. Again, I'm just saying that it, it helped me make sense uh, uh, out of a lot of stuff. And but you gotta use your intuition. You gotta use your gut feeling. You know, does it resonates with you with the truth? You know, not just, oh, do we have fact? Okay, facts, facts, facts. You know, I haven't touched the, 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 um, the Sumerian tablets myself. You know, it's, I haven't worked on translating them or interpreting, pretty, pretty.
0: Interpreting. That's interpreting. a tricky word, interpretating.
1: interpretating. So, you know, it's just something that you gotta check. You gotta check out if you're on a serious path to truth discovery. Uh like reading the Bible, like reading any other books, you gotta read it with with an open heart and op- an open mind and take what's good and leave, you know, what's not good. So um but it can definitely help you make sense of, you know, this whole mess oh, of this universe.
0: Um, here's another one, the moon, right? Recently yep. I was just told someone that there's supposedly another operation going on maybe with um what's his name from Tesla doing um bombing the moon right and I've heard on Freeman's show before Freeman Flies podcast about different countries have bombed the moon in the past maybe maybe to see if it's hollow but then you look into all these um conspiracies talk about conspiracies about the dark side of the moon pyramid on the moon face on the moon Cities on the moon, all these stories about all the stuff on the moon. Then again, about Mars, crazy stuff on Mars, all these pictures of stuff on Mars, you know. And when you read yeah. these stories that Zachariah Sitchin put to and then other researchers have followed up on, you know, it explains all these things. That Yeah, there was settlements, you know, there was some sort of station on the moon. Um, there was Mars was like a way station between here and Nibiru was the way the story went, right?
1: Yeah. There were well, wars. About Mars and Moon, um I'm not saying it's, it's, it's a good thing also to, to look at and to study, but I personally prefer to stay on Earth and, you know, concentrate my understanding of what's going on on Earth, uh, before, you know, falling this, like, even like this flattered bullshit or, uh, this hollow moon or whatever bases alien Martian bases on on Mars. I though I, know, there's so many work to do on 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 us first before going to these far, you know, away problems. There's there's there are problems inside ourselves, you know, that that our own species must solve before even trying to solve problem on other planets. There's so many shit on this planet that that, that you know we should concentrate on that first uh that's pretty much where where um, but
0: no that's a good point don thanks for bringing it around because it's I'm easy talking
1: about nibiru and all these far away planets but it's just to understand actually what's going on it's here about right slavery, now slavery
0: like you said before right exactly. i mean it's that's the real slavery. subject that we're getting at and that's, that's why right. it's important to bring this stuff up at a certain point it it can just be a bunch of space headed Talking about a bunch of goofy theories, right? That's why it pushes some people away from conspiracy theories. They think it's just a bunch of, you know, storytelling that doesn't get us anywhere. Well, the story is important because it explains why we're in the slave situation and, you know, denying that we're in that situation is in, you know, most minds. So even just trying to get, get to that is, is, you know, always more important to me. But, um, you know, there is an aspect of curiosity that I'm trying to light up in people to, to ask more questions. And then, you know, sometimes that curiosity leads you down these roads and you start studying, you see the parallels and then you start to be like, uh, that's why it's important that, you know, that we don't allow ourselves to fall victim to authoritarians telling us stories is because then they lead us into bad directions. Right. I mean, that's why it's important.
1: That's right. That's right. Critical thinking helps you not to fall into these traps. Uh, we all do. I'll, you know, I always, you know, find myself opening the newspaper and reading a few articles and then shutting it down because I, I'm pissed off on, on what I see there. Um, you know, it's crazy. I've I, I read yesterday in the newspaper an article saying, uh this woman were saying there's no proof there's no study that proves that you know uh blue mask would impair the uh or would deprive the ox- the oxygen the body from oxygen from ma- making a sport because they want to allow kids to go back to do the sports like hockey and volleyball and stuff but they have to wear a mask do you think I would like send my my kid to play hockey with a mask on? Like it's the
0: well, you're supposed 3. to wear a, a mask when you're the the goalie. You know, I mean, so you don't yeah, get hit in the face on, with a puck on your
1: mouth. But you but, know,
0: and, and, let's let's test it out. This is a simple test. We could prove it. Let's put all the NFL teams up against each other, mask versus no mask, and see who fucking wins.
1: <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll find out. How about
0: runners? Let's let's do the mask Olympics. Let's set up the Seriously. Olympics. Masks against no masks and see who fucking wins and we'll prove it once and for all. I guarantee you who's going to win. I don't even need to think about so, it,
1: right? This woman had the nerve to ride, you know, black on white. Uh Since there's no study that proves it, then, you know, you really need a study to prove it that, you know, this mask impairs your ability to breathe properly. even Even, even so, like, during a heavy sport or really, like, Cardio activity—it's—it's just plain stupid. It's just plain stupid. I can't take it anymore. Yeah, I can't take it anymore. But these, these studies, these uh, you know, ancient past uh reflections and help really helps making sense out of the bullshit and also not also falling too much into that bullshit stuff and that 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 divide and conquer strategy because you know that it it's do we have a long History of, you know, being lied to this whole matrix that they put in front of us, which is a total bull crap, a total, you know, fake, uh, illusory reality, uh, theater. Um, so again, I'm just glad I'm having these chats with, you know, great guys like you and, and, and all uh, our natural freedom alliance just, uh, helps me a lot also making uh going through these hard times
0: yeah it means so much to me i think um it takes a lot of the stress off to every time like just doing an episode making some effort to try to change um the future of the shit way it's going right now you know like if i die you know at least i can say i i wasn't doing nothing. I was trying, you know, I was trying to speak out to people. I was trying to reach out to other people. I was trying to tell stories that would curious, make them curious. I was trying to do anything to get to the point where we could talk about what really matters, natural law and slavery. And um, I really appreciate meeting you, Dom, because you're someone that um, inspires me because you always come with your good energy and um, even when shit gets you down you find a way to do that too and do something creative and keep putting your work out there and and you know that inspires me too so i really appreciate that man
1: that's it's all about doing the great work man i appreciate you uh you brought me on your show
0: well um i'm gonna make a cut right here and let's put this section probably in the beginning but Let's spend a minute, Dom, and um, tell people what, what's upcoming about the Funnel Conference. I'm really excited for people to see your, your presentation about self-defense. Um, I'm going to try to say the title, but I'm going to say it wrong, so I'll let you say it. But I got the opportunity to preview Dom's presentation, and um, I'm really excited to see other people watch it too. It's I'm really looking forward to the Funnel Conference.
1: Absolutely. I'm really stoked. uh we have 200 registrations uh, for now and it keeps growing um so com, you can go on our page and you just enter your email address and you'll be registered we should send uh emails soon uh chris you've prepared a very good email um and the, the schedules also for february 12 and 13 Valentine's day weekend uh, is gonna come up very soon the title of my presentation is uh, an autopsy of the death of the sacred masculine principle of self defense uh something that is very dear that is very dear to me um you know i've been practicing martial arts for many many years and now um i come to i've came to a realization that martial arts are no longer what they were supposed to be um and there's a lot of Things that are being done by our, our culture and governments to kill the sacred masculine energy within us, within men and women. So it's, uh, I'm really stoked. Uh, worked uh, for many, many months and, uh, thank you for your support for my presentation. I'm stoked to see yours too. Uh, it's, it's, it's been, uh, it's been a great experience. So uh, it's going to be, uh, two hours, my presentation. I'm really stoked for uh, February 12 and 13.
0: Yeah. And I think what's really cool is and I'm I'm just sending out that first email tomorrow actually and kind of telling people about, you know, the history. We we were just, you know, it was a Facebook group post how it all started, I think. And we um started having a weekly meeting. A lot of us were interested in meeting other people who would, who had understood natural law who were who cared about freedom and truth. And um so we just started meeting, telling each other our problems and um You know, it was just little by little this idea developed to to put something like this together. I think it was um, I'm being really inspired after that seed conference um, from the guys at Cubby Hole, and um, we I was like, why don't we do something like that? You know, and here Will comes and he's got a lot of those skills we needed, and then Dom, you started doing the hard work and getting the website going, and uh, I know you put in many hours on that. It's just a bunch of volunteer work. Nobody's getting paid, you know, so anybody that wants to chip in, maybe get yourself one of those funnel sweaters or you can donate on um, freedomundernaturallaw.com because it's just people like you that were inspired by um, Mark Passio's get to work and, you know, we're all trying to do that. And so we got together and inspired one another and now we're doing an actual online conference that's free. So, for you guys, you know, because we care about humanity, because we care about the future. My, my um, presentation is called The Ultimate Connection, and Ultimate Connection is about divine creative energy, and that's really getting to the root of why why we're actually all here, what we're supposed to be doing with our time, you know? And that's about, essentially about God, not, not gods with an S, but the ultimate divine intelligence that reality is. And um, I think that's something that's not as complicated and it's not dogmatic like religions make out to be. And so that's what my presentation's about. I'm really excited to share that with folks too. But, you know, I'm talking about this crap all the time on my end evil podcast, which we're doing the live show Thursdays, 6 p.m. I'm going to try to keep going on that. And um, you guys could check out Dom's work at VeriteConsequence and he's always putting out new works and having great interviews and presentations as well.
1: Thank you, so. brother.
0: All right, man. Let's get together in another um, week or two, and we'll um, we'll show up with like Exhibit A, Exhibit B, Exhibit C. We'll pick out our best. Um, we'll each pick out our best favorite examples of some of these artifacts or. Um, places we talked about and um we'll go through those we will do sound like a plan yeah
1: right, sounds brother. like a plan brother i'm really excited for this next one already
0: all right all right dom we'll go um have a great evening and we'll catch up soon go all right man okay what a, well what are we supposed to do and what are what are you going to do what are we supposed to do and what i would say you have to understand the, the the totality of the big picture the the tapestry of all of this information as it pertains to what's going on in the world and how it affects our lives on a day-to-day basis and then put it into a format that can be readily understood by other individuals and then share that information with whoever will accept any part of it that's what there is to do. That's what there is to do. Weave these words with rhymes like twine. I'm standing still as I travel through time. And I feel no pain. It's a stretch my brain. And it's hard to say when I try to explain. When I try to explain. When I try to explain.